like I'm in a like man from Uncle or some sort of sixties spy show. <laughs> that's uh that's a crazy sort of I was gonna say Bond, but I'm like, no no no, that's not the Bond stuff. It's it's television's version of Bond right. in the sixties. Man from Uncle, that's what I'm gonna go with. So awesome. what's the name of it? This is They Descend from the Moon, again by Greg Hoffman. They descend from the moon. Yeah. Well, I could see that, like Mars Attacks, that yeah. sort of vibe a little bit. Yeah. You know? So, defended, Earth defended by Man from Uncle. Okay. Like, I, <laughs> there I, we go. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Greg Hoffman. Um, We should probably get more info on, on Greg. Yeah. I should probably contact him at some point and say, hey. Hey, we're stealing all your free music. Yeah. You're awesome. And, uh, and yeah, because we'd love to, you know, in fact, what would be awesome is is we listen to the music, we do our little repartee, <laughs> and then he has a little paragraph as to like what was the genesis of this music. I yeah. think that would be kind of cool. That would be yeah. kind of cool. You know, so uh, if he wants, you know, downloads from the UK, <laughs> certainly that that's sort of our, our in. So uh, let me introduce myself. I am Didge, your host, guide, and sometimes provocateur. Welcome to the 13th, unlucky 13th episode of So There's That, the podcast. And with that, I am going to introduce my sidekick and co-host, Dante. Hello. I'm Dante. (laughs) Yes, you are. I See, I'm trying to do less dramatic pauses. I'm trying to throw you off. That's really my goal (laughs) in life because we stare at each other as we go through this this intro and he just is sort of like okay so what are you going to do this time and i gotta be honest with you i don't plan any of that i just kind of wait and see if i should put a longer shorter quicker whatever so awesome all right yeah so um so how was your week well honestly i think my week would be very similar to yours both went up to new york and and saw the apartment yes yeah so we were up for what like four or five days yeah yeah something like that four and uh, and a a dear friend of mine is uh, subletting me is subletting to me uh, his apartment yeah. in in Stytown. and so we're still trying to iron out exactly when he's going to move out. But he has been so supportive, and I'll probably talk about this a little bit later. Uh, but it just on so many levels of of yeah. as I go through the, my transition, and just I mean we've been friends for you know I don't know if it's been twenty years, but close wow. and stuff yeah. and. And just terrific guy, really, really terrific guy. Uh, and anyway, he um, he was away for the weekend, and um, and so I said, hey, you know, would you mind if I came up so I could measure? Because I'm trying to figure <laughs> out exactly what's going to fit where. Yeah. And and Dante's brother Michael is very good with spatial relations, and hey, yeah. this is going to fit here. No, this will want if you do this. So I thought it'd be fun to go up and actually crash for a couple of nights in what's going to be the new apartment. Yep. Because it's not just simply going to be my apartment. I mean, you're going to be starting school. Yeah. Dante, uh, uh, Michael's going to be starting his third year in college. And uh, and I just don't want it to be like, you know, oh, you're going to come up and see, you know, gender nonspecific parents' apartment right. yeah. sort of thing. I want you to uh, to feel like it's a little bit of home. Like, you, right. you know, where yeah. you go and go, oh, wow, you moved that. Oh, wow, that's nice. And, oh, hey, here's my loot. And here's, <laughs> you know, oh, here, I'm going to sleep over here. Um, and so it feels like it's, it's yours a little bit, you yeah. know? And so it was uh, it was great to come up and, and he has a dog. And so he put the dog in the kennel for me because I am I, I'm not it's not that I'm not a dog person. I'm a cat person. Everyone right, knows yeah. I'm a cat person. And I love cats. I mean, we ran into a cat you know, like who was in the oh, neighborhood, yeah. actually a couple cats. And yeah. I instantly went down and started 
you know, chatting with the cat. And, you, and there's a way to put where you put your hand out for the cat to sniff, and then the yep. cat accepts you, and then you pet the cat. And that's something that I do. And I just dogs. I like dogs. I'm like, hey, look, there's a dog. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with a dog. Right. And his dog, Abby, is um, I don't know, like a golden retriever type. You know, happy big dog. Yep. Oh my God! There's someone in the apartment. I have to hang out with this person now, and I don't know what to do. I'm like, uh, can you sit? Because the cat, you pick up and you go, "Hey, I'm busy. Sit down." And the cat scowl, scowls at you, and then you're done. Yeah. So, um, so we got to kind of, you know, prowl around the apartment uh, on our own. So, I guess let me ask, what do you think of the apartment? It was really cool. I mean, much bigger than I, I like thought. It's really nice. I mean, to, to be clear, it's not necessarily a big apartment, well, but it's a yeah. big New York apartment. Yeah. And we had thought I was going to get something really tiny. I mean, we were originally were shooting for a two bedroom. So you guys could right. have like, you know, sure bedroom when you came up. And it's just when you get a two bedroom, what they don't tell you is everything else then is in the apartment is smaller. Right. Like the living room is smaller. You don't get this. You don't get that. So this is this is a nice this is a nice space. It's yeah. it's uh it's in a high rise. It's a full size kitchen, which I'm very in fact almost exactly the same size kitchen I as I have now. Maybe even a little it's more counter space. Yeah. Yeah. Oh definitely. More more counter space. Uh the dining room is about the same amount of space. And then we're going to get I'm so excited about <laughs> this. We ha I have this IKEA bookshelf. Yeah. Uh which is like six feet tall and six feet wide. And uh, and it's very open and it's very wide on both sides, so you can put two shelves, two sets of books on either side. Yeah. And we're going to use it to creating reading nook off of the dining room. Yeah. And we're going to sort of split the living room kind of in thirds. So two thirds is the primary living room. Yep. With a nice couch and bed hang out chit chat we watched no tv because we like chit chatted <laughs> yeah. the way it was laid out wow. i really liked it and then we have the the bookcase and the bookcase is going to create i hope a reading nook and i don't have a reading nook chair yet that's right, the problem yeah. trying to figure out what what i want to get uh but that was sort of the big let's measure let's see because michael i think wanted <laughs> to divide stuff in a different way and so no yeah. we are very excited yeah because it it has like it's gonna have a room that you can sleep in, yep. sort of off to the side, and the comfy couch, and then uh, and then we have the master bedroom, which is my bedroom in the back. Yeah. Which, as people know, half is gonna be bed, and the other <laughs> half is going to be a crazy thinking room. Yep. <laughs> and I don't have a thinking room chair yet. Right. You know, but it's gonna be a chair that you just sits in the middle of a room. Yep. And you stare against a wall that's gonna be purple. Yeah. It's a purple that's wall. That's cool. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and I'll put giant sheets of paper. So we'll be totally like True Detective. <laughs> uh, only I'll be drinking vodka instead of um, whatever he was drinking. Yeah. Which... Jameson's. He was drinking Jameson's. Right? Because I have Jameson's upstairs. Oh, right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and he was drinking Jameson's. And so I paused and I pulled out my bottle of Jameson's. And then the Woody Harrelson character bribed somebody with um, with scotch. And it was the exact same uh, bottle and and box of yeah. scotch that I have. So I know this just is making for some compelling audio here. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we is very excited. Uh, yep. We measured everything. I think we figured out every single picture that's going to go up on the oh, wall yeah. and where yeah. every piece of furniture. And I think, I think I have successfully condensed every DVD and book and comic book wow. and everything that I'm taking. I think I now have a place for. Yeah. 
Wow. So, and this has been scary for me because I've known about this move for, I don't know, six, eight months now. Yeah. And I just didn't know how I was going to condense a house I've lived in for 20 years into a New York apartment, but I believe I've successfully done that. Uh, what was also cool, though, is we got to walk around the neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Right? Which was I was a little worried about because, you know, when you live in the suburbs, you get to drive everywhere. Yeah. And people don't necessarily see you when you're transgender. And uh, and so we got to walk around and it's, you know, it's it's a mixture of Stuy Town and, and East Village and Alphabet City and Gramercy is just sort of. Yeah. All those neighborhoods are just sort of jammed together uh, off off First Avenue. And it we just um, people were delightful. Yeah. People were delightful. Um, and uh, in fact, in fact, I, I, I wore a skirt uh, on yeah. Sunday. Right. I wore a skirt yeah. uh, walking around. Long skirt. Long skirt. And, um, and like, it just, no one batted an eye. It was just like, oh, hey, awesome. And, yeah. you know, we went to Griff Dogs, which is a hot dog oh, place around the corner. Yes. And they were really nice. Yeah, no, but something really cool. They had, um, like, their tables were set up for, like, uh, arcade games from, like, over a large span of time. Uh, and... Primarily from the 80s. So my yeah. youth, like, yeah. post-Space Invaders, Galaxian, yeah. Galaga, you know, things like that. And they had seven pages of sets of six uh, games, and like you could play them. And there—that's what the tables were. So forty-two. Yeah, forty-two. 42. Forty. And although we didn't get to the last one, so maybe the last one had like less than six. Oh right. Okay. Well, but yeah. I'm gonna go with forty-two because that's yeah, that the works. answer to life, the universe, and everything. Yep. Spoiler alert there. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So yes, that that was that was cool. And then they have random. You, you order a random, yeah. two dogs on a side, and you don't get to determine what the two dogs in the side. They just bring it randomly. Yeah. But um, I used to be a big hot dog fan, but now I'm not. A couple of the hot dog places I've been to, the hot dogs are like, meh, even though they right. have cool toppings yeah. like kimchi and stuff like that. But these are like really, really oh, yeah. good. There's what, a beef and pork dog and then like a, a an all beef dog, but they were the crispy skin, which I love, yeah. right? Yeah. So that, yeah, that was neat. That was neat. And, um, you know, obviously we always go to Shake Shack. Yep. Greatest. Went out to Brooklyn. <laughs> Brooklyn has uh, has the Chicken yeah. Shack chicken shack uh, sandwich, which yep. was quite good. But nothing beats. No, yeah. No, the, the Shake Shack, double, the, shake, the shack double shake Shack burger is the best burger. <laughs> like, Absolutely the best burger I've had. And, yeah. and, and people who know me, I'm a foodie, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I, I like to call myself the unpre- unpretentious foodie. But I mean, I've gone to seven or eight of like the top, whatever, 15 burger joints. Yeah. And there are just so many. They're just like, it's a $22 burger. And you're like, I, this, I, I prefer Shake Shack. And I'm not saying yeah. Shake Shack is the best burger ever. I think I may have just said that, but yeah. I wasn't, that's not, <laughs> that, I'm not trying to say it's better than your favorite burger. Right. It's just a really solid burger. Uh, especially the ones in New York. I can't, and the one yeah, in Tyson's Corner, yeah. I can't speak for every single one, but, uh, they are quite good. And, yeah. and so I'm looking forward to once I move in to kind of find, oh, right. The, yeah. you know, what, what's the official top 10 list Yeah, and see which ones are the best. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've gone to even a few of those in the neighborhood that were supposed to be like top 10 burgers. I was just like, this is a normal burger. I'm not, right. there's nothing really special about it. Uh, let's see. We also, uh, we did a, 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 what I thought was a ramen burger. I was very excited. We were going to do a ramen burger. And so we ranted on and on about how great this ramen burger was, which is basically you take ramen, uh, and you cook it and then you, I guess, dry it out a little bit, put it on a, a you know, cook it on like yeah, on a top yeah. on a, you know, and, and you, 
you fashion it into like a hot into a hamburger roll. Yeah. Uh, and then they do sort of like the tonkatsu type or whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, beef stuff, and then we had a burger, and it was really good. And then, then you of course pointed out it was in fact not a nah. ramen burger. <laughs> it, it was, was a... made of rice. The ramen burger would have been if we went to the food festival that we uh, in Brooklyn. The in Brooklyn that we we didn't go to went to just a. Rice burger place. Yes. Well, we, we walk. Okay, we did the neighborhood. We yes, did, we did yes. Griff Burger, and then I think we were just going to walk it off. And then I was like, "Oh my god, they have ramen burgers!" And so I ordered us a ramen burger. But yeah. apparently, I ordered us a rice burger because yeah. I don't think they had a ramen burger uh, there. And then we just sort of told around the whole neighborhood. But it was yeah. again just a lot of really neat restaurants that I'm that I'm really looking forward to. We also went to that macaroni place. Oh, right. Yes. And so I'm sitting there. Um, I think I was just wearing uh, like jeans at that point. Oh, no, no, yeah. I, was, I was yeah, no, I was wearing jeans. Yeah, uh, and flats, and and I just I got flats for this trip, and that's a that's kind of a side story in and of itself. And I see a rat, and I've seen rats in New York, and I'm yeah. like, okay, yeah, whatever, it's a rat. Uh, but usually I'm wearing boots, and no, I was wearing a skirt. Was I wearing a skirt? I don't think so. Okay, you... I guess no, no, no. Okay, I guess you're right. I guess I was wearing yoga pants. Anyway, I was wearing flats. And I had a I had skin showing, like yeah. more skin than I'm used to having showing, and the rat, this brown rat, very yeah. pretty rat, runs underneath my chair. Yeah, and usually whatever, but I suddenly realize I have a lot of flesh, and yeah. I start to squirm. Yeah, and I lift my feet up, and I'm just I'm laughing because I just don't want the rat to touch me yeah <laughs> and michael dante's brother just finds this the most humorous thing that like rats don't bother him and i'm like yeah rats don't bother me when i'm not like barefoot yeah you know and then there was a baby rat the baby rat which yeah, we took a picture yeah. of who's very cute who's very cute um but in fact that was yes on when the walk over there we had a celebrity sighting Yes! Oh my goodness! Which you didn't cite. No, I only cited. Michael didn't cite either. Uh, Sean Wallace. Yeah, uh, who was in uh, Princess Bride? Right, he was inconceivable. Yeah, right. He played the Sicilian. Yeah, he played the Sicilian, and so he was walking with his wife, and uh, and I look at him, and he looks at me, and I look at him, and I'm like, I think I know who. Oh my god! Yeah. And so, and it was odd because he was just, he, no, no bad look. Like, not like, oh, what the hell are you? But like, yeah. hey, oh, like, oh, okay, hey. You know, sort of thing. Yeah. And then I turned to you guys, I have this big run on my face. I'm like, did you see that? And you guys are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and yeah, so, um, so yeah. It was, oh, oh, but I guess the other cool thing. So uh, when we picked up the keys for the apartment and we ran in my friend Wolf Dog. Yeah. Uh, that's my nickname for him. <laughs> um, and, and, um, and he... I mean, you've met him, I think, once or twice. Oh, yeah. But he knew you from the podcast. That, yeah. that had to be a little wild when someone says, oh, hi, I listen to you every week. <laughs> it, it's, I mean, it is weird because um, that's the type of thing that I expect to be saying to other people at conventions and, and stuff like that. So it's weird to know that someone knows a lot about you. But it wasn't, like, at the moment, I didn't feel weird about it. It's something that, in retrospect, was weird. But at the point, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. So I don't have to say anything about myself. I can just say hi. <laughs> <laughs> you know more than I have to say. Do you uh, Do you have an autograph yet? 
No, I don't. Do you I mean, like a signature for, for how you want to do it? I mean, geez, you're an I, artist. You're I, an artist, so you have to be... Dev- I mean, I have one. I Not have, that I've ever... And no one will ever ask me for it. But as you know, I have one, which, yeah. is, which is, you know... <laughs> it's a lazy one. Well, no, I have the worst handwriting. Well, no, I don't have the worst handwriting. I have the worst signature in the world. Mm, yeah. And I've taken it because, again, last name Di Giacomo. I mean, I've worn that pup down over a long number of years. Uh, and and so now it's just kind of a line. No, the best part is how hard it is to forge. It's easy to forge. <laughs> it is so easy to forge. But no, I've been spending a long time trying to figure out a signature I like because I don't like abbreviating. I like spelling out my whole name, but that takes a while. Um, don't worry about it. <laughs> so I'm slowly figuring it out. I don't have like an autograph figured out, but. My signature is fairly, uh, like, solid in what it is. See, I think I have more of a monogram. Ah, right. Which I'm very excited because my signature is just, like, it's going to be like, what's that? You just, like, dragged a pen across the paper. (laughs) But I do sort of have a monogram that I'm still working on. But I kind of like. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, if you you run into me on the street, ask me for my monogram. and, uh, (laughs) And ask Dante, you know. Not to say anything, <laughs> right? But then later we ran into Alex from New York. Oh yeah, who you know, and who, so he loves the analytics stuff. He loves the analytics, yes. Which which Alex we will get to. Yeah, we'll get to later. Uh, but that was fun though, wasn't it? Yeah, because yeah, like we got to talk about the podcast a little bit, and he he got to pepper you with a couple of questions. Yeah, <laughs> but I think it was weird because I think he just wanted us to talk about it on the podcast, not actually at the moment. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, so uh, so yeah. So that was cool. Oh, oh, and my friend TC. <laughs> yes. Right? Like, yeah. we got to, we hit Mexico. Um, I, I'm, this has got to be fascinating for people, like, where I ate New York <laughs> and what friends of mine hang out. But I have a friend TC who took me on my first shopping trip, yeah. right? You know, where I got yeah. my, my express jacket. Um, and she's um, she's not that much older than, than Michael, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, I thought, you know, I thought we had fun. We thought yeah. we had fun. Oh, but, but I, she, I, what I like about her is I just, it, it, I get, um, as we sort of chit chat about things, I suddenly start thinking about stuff in, in a, in a different context. And, uh, and I was trying to kind of explain what I'm like. Right. As sort of, as female, you know, yeah. at like, like how do people position me? Because I am, I am kind of nuts and 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 stuff, and and um, and I finally realized I'm the crazy girl you invite to your party, <laughs> right? Like yeah. it's just like, oh, okay, we're gonna invite so so, and then you got to invite Didge. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, and so yeah, that's you know, I I just yeah. I think I'm the crazy girl you invite to a party. That's it. Yeah, that's one that's of part the... of my monogram. That's <laughs> yeah. No, that's one of the better uh, characters to have for a party. The one that everyone wants to be there. Yes, yes. Not actually, you know, hang out with, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, from afar, <laughs> like, oh, that crazy person there. So, um, and I guess the other big news then for me this week is that I, I got my first pair of flats. Yes. We went up to Nine yep. West, uh, which was neat because we, we went to, uh, uh, yeah, again, sorry, guys. Uh, we went to uh, Joe Shanghai uh, in, yeah. in Midtown up yeah. on 56 uh, and got soup dumplings and half Peking duck. Uh, and and the pineapple fried rice yeah. in in, in, in a, half in yeah. half a pineapple, and uh, because that was a place that that it was it was Michael's favorite New York restaurant. Yeah, 
And so we were a couple blocks away because uh, I think we were, oh, we went up to, yeah, we were talking about Nintendo stuff. We were talking about Pokemon. Right. We were talking about Game Boys. Yeah. We went up to Nintendo World. Yeah. Um, and we saw all the various iterations of, of, of Game Boys and we ended up just being a couple blocks away. So we, so we walked up there. But yeah, so I went and I went to Nine West and I got, I got a pair of flats and, um, and after, you know, a day, I, I noticed I'm getting blisters on, on the back of my feet. Right. And so I text with, with a girlfriend of mine. And I'm like, so, hey, I got my first pair of flats. And she's like, oh, great. Yes, you're going to wear them all over the place. And I'm like, except I have blisters. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, but I don't want blisters. And she's like, no, but you get blisters. That's what you do. Just put Band-Aids on. Tough it up. <laughs> just keep wearing it. You got to tough it out. It's like I'm just I'm used to you put shoes on and they're like normal and yeah. they don't hurt your feet like they're not these are not overly small yeah these are like half a size bigger than what I usually wear so I was a little bit more comfortable and right. I had by the end of it I had blister packs and like butterfly band aids yeah. and oh <laughs> my god so we're gonna see how long it takes for me to be able to figure out how to wear flats but you know <laughs> I mean again I'm used to wearing socks with everything yeah. And I, there were a lot of girls walking around, like, with boots. Like, you know, like, with shorts and stuff. Yeah. So I think they were wearing, like, short socks with their boots. But I'm thinking that may need to be, yeah. you know, the crazy girl goes to the party. has got to wear boots. Right. I think that no, might yeah. be that might be how, um, how, how I do that. So, um, so yeah, I think that was, uh, I think that was the week. That, yeah, pretty good week. Yeah, that was a terrific week. It could, but you didn't actually ask me how my week was. But if you had, I would have said, well, we just talked about it. <laughs> right? That's Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So uh, uh, I guess we'll move into corrections and clarifications. Uh, last week, I talked about a book, Follow My Leader. Okay. And I was like, oh, my God, yes, Follow My Leader, right? And so I, I looked it up, uh, and I read this when I was a kid in the 70s. So, Follow My Leader was by James Garfield, and let me read a little write-up about it. The 1957 story is about an 11-year-old boy blinded by a firecracker accident who regains his independence with the help of a guide dog named Leader. Okay. And as this is, I mean, this is stuck in my head Yeah. For, you know, whatever, 40 years. As with all great books, though, it's the underlying message that resonates across the decades. Published in an era where the well-intentioned often saw the different is pitiable and deserving of help, Follow My Leader presented a clearer view. Although the blinded protagonist has very human moments of anger and petulance about his loss, it's his determination and capabilities that stand out. Jimmy's return to self-sufficiency demonstrates equality and empowerment, leaving readers in awe of, not sympathy with, the vision impaired. Wow. Is that neat? Yeah, that's yeah. excellent. And it's and it's, it's true. I mean, the books that you read when you're a kid, you know, in grade school. I mean, I you know, there's only a handful that I remember. I mean, it was right. it was Follow My Leader, Cricket in Times Square, ah, uh, uh, My Father's Dragon, oh, and like those those are the books you know. And Are You My wow. Mother, of course, <laughs> you know. But but you know, those are the those are the books that. Um, that stick out for me. Yeah, but no, what's interesting for me is those are all books that I have heard of and seen on shelves, but I never actually read. I tried to get you to read My Father's Dragon. Yeah. I think Michael read it. Yeah, no, that's that's why it's so familiar. And I think I tried to get you guys to get read Cricket in Times Square, but I don't think I succeeded Yeah. Uh, there. 
But um, yeah, I mean, you read so many books, and there's so many of them are just such total crap. <laughs> I mean, sorry, education system, but most of them are. Anyway, so um, also I mentioned that I had read an article about your cat being a death machine. And I found the article. It's a New York Times article from January 29th, 2013. It's called That Cuddly Kitty is Deadlier Than You Think. <laughs> uh, and if you don't mind, let me read a section. Yeah. In a report that scaled up local surveys and pilot studies to national dimensions, scientists from the Smithsonian Conservation Biology Institute and the Fish and Wildlife Service estimated that domestic cats in the United States both the pet fluffies that spend part of the day outdoors and the unnamed strays and ferals that never leave it kill a median of 2.4 billion birds and 12.3 billion mammals a year. Oh my goodness. Most of them native mammals like shrews, chipmunks, and voles rather than introduced pests like Norway rat. Oh, my goodness. The estimated rates are two to four times higher than mortality figures previously bandied about and position the domestic cat as one of the single greatest human-linked threats to wildlife in the nation. More birds and mammals die at the mouths of cats, the report said, than from automobile strikes, pesticides, and poisons, collisions with skyscrapers and windmills, and other so-called anthropogenic causes. Jeez. Yet the study estimates that free-roaming pets, such as Shadow, account for only about 29% of the birds and 11% of the mammals killed by domestic cats each year. And the real problem arises over how to manage the 80 million or so stray or feral cats that commit the bulk of the wildlife slaughter. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, no, that's... I didn't realize there were oh so many feral cats. Goodness. I yeah. guess Sundance is a feral cat. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wonder what a definition of a feral cat is. Because we ended up having two. We, we had two cats. We yep. had two cats. Uh, actual brother and sister. Yep. And they're indoor-outdoor cats. And then one day, Sundance decided he didn't want to come home. Yeah. And we have them tagged. You know, and uh, and so at some point, you know, we put signs up. I still have a sign up on the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> of the picture of the two you guys holding the kids, uh, holding the kids, holding the holding the cats. And um, and we just couldn't find them. I mean, you guys are heartbroken. Yeah. And um, so, a beautiful, beautiful a, a tabby, orange tabby. So sweet. Such a sweet cat. And it turned out that he had moved in like three doors down from us and was yeah. getting fed. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they'd named him some other name. And then, you know, we finally got a call. Because I think he had been injured. Right. Yeah. And we picked him up from the vet and he loved us and he hung out. And like two weeks later, he left again. Yeah. And so he roams around the neighborhood. Any open door, he just walks in. Yeah. And people feed him. Yeah. And then we see him once every couple months and he comes back and he eats and, you know, he'll hang out in the backyard and then he leaves again. Yeah. So I don't know is is, is if, I guess he's a stray, not a feral. I guess, yeah. I guess you're going to say he's, he's a stray cat. Yeah. Um, we also talked about, speaking of cats, we also spoke, uh, spoke of uh, Salvador Dali and yeah. uh, the cat photo, which you've now seen. Yeah. So it's called Dali Atomicus. Uh, and I found, again, another little, a little write-up here. So again, if you will bear with me. Uh, before modern computerized techniques in image manipulation, Latvian-born American portrait photographer... Philippe Halsman shot 
this photograph of the surrealistic artist Salvador Dali suspended in midair. While today this image could be easily replicated in Photoshop, it wasn't possible in 1948. So this work, the Dali Atomicus, 1948, explores the ideas of suspension, depicting three cats flying, water thrown from a bucket, an easel, a footstool, and Salvador Dali all seemingly suspended in midair. The title of the, of the photograph is a reference to Dali's work, Leda Atomica, uh, which can be seen at the right of the photograph behind the two cats. Wow. Hausman reported that it took 28 attempts to be satisfied with the result. Oh my goodness. The photographer counts, one, his wife Yvonne holds the chair up. Two, the assistants get ready with water and the cats. Three, the assistants throw the cats from the right and the bucket of water from the left. Four, Salvador Dali jumps. And milliseconds later, Philip Halsman takes the photograph. Click. Actually, 28 times. Click. After the photo is taken, this is crazy. After the photo is taken, the photographer goes to the darkroom to develop it. The assistants mop the floor, catch and calm the cats. Yvonne and Dolly rest and wait for yet another shoot. As Hausman wrote in the book, um, Creation of Photographic Ideas, six hours and 28 throws later, the result satisfied my striving for perfection. My assistants and I were wet, dirty, and near complete exhaustion. Only the cats still look like new. Oh my goodness. Now, the reason I bring this up is because I made another comment that this was not Dolly's original idea for the photograph. And I needed to find some sort of citation in a book. Right. I just couldn't go on the internet. So I found this. In The Persistence of Memory, a biography of Dolly by Meredith Etherton Smith. This was not Dolly's first idea for the photo. This is a quote, a dialogue between Dolly and Halsman. Okay, Dolly wow. said, I know what the picture should be. We should take a duck and put some dynamite in its derriere. When the duck explodes, I jump, and you take the picture. <laughs> Halsman, don't forget that we are in America. We will be put in prison if we start exploding ducks. Dolly, you're right. Let's take some cats and splash them with water. Oh, my goodness. So, anyway, wow. so that that wasn't at the museum? No, no. And, and it took me completely off guard last week when you mentioned it, because I was sitting there going, oh, paintings and... And then yeah. you brought that up. No, no that's that... how I know Salvador Dali, because he has the the yeah. mustache thing that, like, ooh, yeah. sort of thing. So that's my impersonation of, I guess, Craig Ferguson impersonating <laughs> Salvador Dali. Uh, oh, and this is very important. I screwed up big time talking about I, Claudius. I said um, William Hurt played Caligula. It was John Hurt. Ah. Uh. Totally different actors, totally not the same people. John Hurt is, of course, in Alien. He's the one that the yeah. aliens burst out of his chest. He's the Elephant Man in okay. the Elephant Man. He's obviously an I, Claudius. He was in Hellboy. He was in Harry Potter. He played um, Ollivander. Wow. With the uh, the wands <laughs> yeah. that I'm tossing at Dante right now and William Hurt was in Altered States that was the uh, that's the film I remembered him from as a kid uh, very funky psychedelic sort of drug movie okay. uh, body uh, like with uh, uh, Altered States and Altered uh, Dimensions and, ah, and crazy right. stuff Body Heat the Big Chill 
uh, and like Academy Award winning actor. So it's just it's just they but they are totally different looking people. And I felt like an idiot after I was listening to it. I went, right. Oh my God, I just said yeah. William Hurt. Uh, I also said something that is not true. I said that I have never started a fight. Oh. And I, upon pondering this, uh, realized that that is not true. I did start one fight in my life when I hit Stephen Rains in the nose in third grade because he wouldn't give me an Oreo cookie. <laughs> wow. It was this new school. Right. I was new kid in the school and he was handing out Oreo cookies to all of his friends and I was sitting next to him and he wouldn't give me one. Wow. So I punched him in the nose. Jeez. I know. I was a bastard. What can I say? <laughs> what can I say? Um, and I guess I should also, I, the two minor updates here, and I know they're, but, you know, anyway, just bear, bear with me here. Uh, I, I talk about Hannibal a lot. Yeah. Uh, Hannibal did get canceled. Yeah. Uh, did not get picked up by Netflix, did not get picked up by Amazon, does not appear to be Picked up, um, and it got moved to Saturdays. So a little bit of sadness here. Yeah. A little bit of sadness here. Um, but there is some good news. Gravity Falls had a new episode. Yes. Right. And so, so again, you know, we we have talked about uh, about various guests. Yeah. Uh, you know, and how they're associated. So again, Brian Fuller for for Hannibal, dig yeah. at typeofmonkeys.com, and Alex Hirsch uh, for Gravity Falls. But anyway. Gravity Falls seems to come out infrequently. Yeah. Uh, but I found this interesting little news bit about Gravity Falls. So Disney XD's Gravity Falls mid-season debut has clocked that network's biggest audience to date for a regular series telecast in Live Plus 3 ratings. Oh my goodness. The episode that premiered last Monday averaged 2.319 million viewers. It also logged a network best among kids 2 to 11, uh, 1.036 million, 2.6 rating. Boys 2 to 11, uh, 686,000 and 3.4 rating. Overall, Gravity Falls now accounts for Disney XD's top seven regular animated series telecasts of all time in kids 6 to 11, the top four in kids, in boys 6 to 11, and top five in kids 2 to 11. Oh my goodness. Gravity Falls, it gets better. It gets better. <laughs> Gravity Falls ranked as the number one program in its Monday 8.30 p.m. time period in all of television across all kids and boys, 2 to 11, 6 to 11, and 6 to 14 demographics. It was cable's number, TV, cable TV's number one scripted telecast in total viewers. Oh, Which I'm assuming is for Monday. Goodness. That's fantastic. So it is, yes, it is becoming a juggernaut. Yeah. So those of you who have never seen Gravity Falls, now is the time. Watch it in order. Yeah. Very important. There's a couple of DVDs out there on Amazon. And I think they put like three or four episodes on each DVD. Yeah. But they haven't put out like a season one set. Yeah. Which annoys me because I want like extras and stuff like that. Right. So you can go to iTunes. But again, wherever you want to go to catch it, I don't know. Is it on like Netflix or anything? No, it's it's on nothing but but iTunes and the. Again, I strongly encourage you to watch these in order. Yeah. Right. You can go to Wikipedia. You can get the order, but there is a there is a backstory, and it is definitely worth it to watch these in order. Yeah. So that's um, corrections and clarifications. Awesome. I guess I'm clarifying <laughs> how awesome Gravity Falls is. Yeah. And how depressing the Hannibal news. Yeah. 
So, uh, updates. I guess we'll move to updates. Cool. Uh, so, people know about the YouTube channel, right, that we have, Typing Monquette. Yep. And I didn't have a specific URL for it, and I got a surprise where YouTube is now likes us. Oh. I guess we've gotten enough views and enough subscribers yeah. and stuff like that uh, that we can now get a custom URL. Oh. Which is very, very, very exciting for me. Yeah. So I go in there, and it's YouTube slash A slash Adventures in Transgendering. And I'm like, well, it's typing Monquette is sort yeah. of what I've called this channel. It's not Adventures in Transgendering, because even though I throw the podcast up there for anyone who listens to it on YouTube, I wanted to start doing actual fun yeah. YouTube videos. We still only have the Fetisol, so the next one, again, is the open-faced Waldorf chicken salad sandwich. Didge style, which hopefully will be this weekend. Hopefully yeah. we're going to get to yeah. it this weekend. And then I figured out what my third, the third one, third one's going to be Bloody Marys. Oh, Because cool. I've decided I went to, I, I had an amazing Bloody Mary yeah, and uh, with horseradish. And so I'm like, I'm just going to get hammered and make Bloody Marys on YouTube. I think awesome. That's sort of my goal in life. Yeah. So I said, oh, wow, this is really cool. But that's not the URL I want. So I want to change it. They won't let me. It's like all or nothing. Like YouTube dictates... <laughs> What the URL is, and if you don't like it, wow. And what I don't understand is why it's YouTube.com slash C slash whatever the hell my name is. Yeah. Like, why C? Why not just slash whatever the frick my name is? Right? Why couldn't it be YouTube.com slash typing monkette? Yeah. So, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll break down and have to do the other one. But, uh, yeah. I know. Exciting news. More exciting news, and this one again is for Alex oh, yeah. and our Alexa web ranking. So remember, last time I said we were fifteen point five million. Yes, and we were making progress. We were moving like eleven thousand a day yeah. in 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 the good direction. Right? Yeah, in the good direction. Well, we jumped. Oh, cool. Yes. So now we're thirteen million one hundred forty nine thousand eight hundred nine. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Right. So that's like uh, like uh, one point. I don't know. Well, one over a million. Yeah. Uh, one and a quarter million. That's right. Yeah. That's good. In like a day. Wow. Boom. We just jumped. Jeez. So, yeah. So, Alexa's kind of kind of wonky. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We're probably going to fall backwards next time. Yeah. I don't know. So, uh, let's see. iTunes. iTunes UK. Uh, we're still number one in personal journals. We're number three, society and culture. And number 33, Overall, and that's for new and noteworthy, just to, to clarify. Yeah. We're not the number, like, 33 podcasts in the UK. We're number 33 within new and noteworthy. Right. And again, I think this only seems to work when we podcast. When we podcast. When we podcast. When we don't <laughs> podcast, doesn't work for us at all. When we pander. When we don't pander, yeah, yeah, we plummet. Yeah. So I thought mm, more pandering. Yep. But I'm starting to run out of stuff, right? Like, yeah. like you know, we've talked about talked about food and uh you know we've talked about doctor who a little bit but i thought you know uh depending upon you know kind of what guests we have coming yeah. at some point it would be fun to be able to talk about cardiff so i've been sort of holding that off right we've done a little bit of monty python and eddie zard right we yeah. talked about british national museum yeah. Oh, yeah last time which apparently is the british museum the brits just called the british museum oh okay us yankees call <laughs> it call it um British National Museum. Okay. That's so, good. Anyway, know. anyway. But um so we went to Greenwich when we were there yeah. as well. And I, as people know, I'm fascinated by different 
historical things. And, uh, and there's a fabulous book called The Discoverers by uh, Daniel Borston, uh, which is about uh, d- discovering information, discovering uh, the, the people who came up w- with the clock. Right. Right. And that yeah. there were 20, how did we get to 24 hours in a day? And how do we get to 60 minutes in an hour? And, and latitude and longitudes and calendars yeah. and all these different things. I'm utterly fascinated by it. So we went there. And in Greenwich is the prime meridian. Yeah. So I took you guys there, and uh, and and it was neat because you get to to go. There's museums. There was yep. a search for for longitude. Uh, there was all the different chronometers as to how yeah. back in the 1700s of of how people determined what their longitude was as they were sailing. Right. And so the goal was if we had a if we knew what British time was, yeah, and we had a chronometer, and then we could check what the what the time of day is now. Okay, it's noon somewhere because the yeah. the 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 sun is directly overhead, and we can measure all the different angles, and we measure what the time is locally versus what the time is in Britain. Right. Then you can determine what what your longitude is. But what I really like is is that there is the Royal Observatory. And again, they had to come to this. They somehow had to determine, all these nations had to determine that, yes, yeah. that Greenwich, which is just east of London, that Greenwich was the prime meridian. That that was zero. Yeah. you know, Because the French didn't want that. The French, their prime meridian was in Paris. Right. So anyway, I found a little write-up on this. Uh, which was that the prime meridian based at the Royal Observatory Greenwich in London was established by Sir George Arian in 1851. And by 1884, over two-thirds of all ships and tonnage used it as a reference meridian on their charts and maps, right? Wow. So you wanted maps that like, that all around the world were, were useful. Right. So in October of that year, that year being 1884, at the behest of U.S. President Chester A. Arthur, Go, Chester A. Yeah. Arthur. 41 delegates from 25 nations met in Washington, D.C. for the International Meridian Conference. This conference selected the meridian passing through Greenwich as the official prime meridian due to its popularity. However, France abstained from the vote and French maps continued to use the Paris meridian <sighs> for several decades. Wow. Right? Yeah. And so part of what we saw in this museum was that in the early 18th century, the battle was on to improve the determination of longitude, right, at sea, leading to the development of the chronometer that we just talked about yeah. by John Harrison. And John Harrison's pretty famous for, because again, all the previous clocks had pendulums. And right. pendulums don't work yeah. on a ship because it's, you know, it's pitching and it's yawing and it's just obviously right. the pendulum's not, not going to work. So they needed to create a self-sustained, right, airtight yeah. device that holds time without knowing what the real time is. Yeah. Holds time while you sail for a year. Yeah. And no one believed it could be done. So Harrison built five chronometers, which is, a, it's effectively a pocket watch. But at right. the time, it was a chronometer saying that, you know, chronos, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, and so he built five, two of which were tested at sea. His first, the H1, was not tested under the conditions that were required by the Board of Longitude. Now, the Board of Longitude offered this huge amount of money, this prize money, right. for yeah. anyone who could create, could come up with a method 
for people to turn to determine what their longitude was. In fact, some people, right, they wanted to set flares off at yes, specific it was yes. like these ridiculous ideas. Yeah. And so uh, using lunar um uh d- determination of where the moon was and by publishing lunar charts, yeah, you could try to determine where your longitude was or the chronometer. And those sort of became right. the the leading two. Uh the Admiralty uh, required that this chronometer travel to Lisbon and back. It performed excellently, but the perfectionist in Harris prevented him from sending it <laughs> on the required trial to the West Indies. Wow. Not like you know anyone like that. <laughs> um, he instead embarked on the construction of the H2. This chronometer never went to sea and was immediately followed by the H3. And again, if you go to whatever it is, the National Maritime Museum yeah, in yeah, Greenwich, yeah. Uh, and I'm probably getting that wrong, but anyway, that they have all of these, like they have these H1s and H2s and H3, and they have like a movie of all this different, utterly, utterly fascinating. Yeah. Um, but he was still not satisfied with his own work. He produced the H4, which did get its sea trial and satisfied all the requirements for the longitude prize. However, it got so political that he wasn't actually awarded the money. Wow. And he had to battle and go through British Parliament that finally rewarded him uh his his reward for the marine chronometer. Right. Um however they still didn't become standard. It wasn't until later that Thomas Earnshaw created a chronometer that then worked. And as you know, I'm a big fan of Patrick O'Brien yeah. and the chronometer is that's sort of what's ongoing throughout the series. It starts April first. Uh, 1800 is when Master and Commander, the first book. Okay. Um, and they talk a lot about chronometers in it, which yeah. again, which is fine because it's, you have Stephen Matron, Dr. Stephen Matron, uh, who's a natural philosopher. And so they talk about all these sorts of things while they're sailing somewhere. Right. This is what they talk about in the, you know, when they're, when they're eating dinner in the gun room or, you know, they're eating dinner with the captain. It's these sort of, these sort of, uh, of, of conversations. But anyway, to, to get back to the, the um, the Royal Observatory. What I found fascinating um, was the number of prime meridians yeah. that are there, right? Yeah. And so you have these, you know, the British Royal, you know, Astronomer Royal, who was, you know, John Flamsteed and Edmund Haley, right? Haley's Comet, yeah. right? And so all of these, the leading, absolute leading astronomers of the day were the people who ran the Royal Observatory, right? This is the like British observatory. And as the telescopes got better, the exact location of the prime meridian would move four feet. Yeah. So if you go there, you find that there is like five or four or five different prime meridians from like 1700 to present. And so you keep, moving and it's like okay well this was this one this is the one that Edmund Haley had and this one was here for 40 years yeah and then they constructed a new better telescope and they realized that it was actually you know four feet to the yeah. left and then they have the official line and there's you know and people stand in line to be able to take a picture of it yeah which we which we did not do <laughs> um and what's fascinating is when you pull out your phone yes for GPS it's not 0.00 there. It's actually like another, you know, 100 yards to the left. Yeah. So as technology improves, again, yeah. I may be the only person in the <laughs> world who, who cares about this, but I just found that utterly fascinating uh, that that as we improve in, in, in knowledge, 
the location of yeah. what is the truth. Yeah. This is where longitude starts in the world. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. It's not actually over there. It's <laughs> over here. Never mind. Never mind. Uh, so great. So I guess um, I guess we can jump in to uh, into the mailbag uh, this week. So uh, I think there's only two uh, letters this week. All right. So I mean, so definitely. You know, we've said that before. Uh, uh, absolutely, let us know. Yeah. You know what what you think of the podcast. Yeah. Got any questions? Leave them on iTunes. Send us an email at. D I G at typingmonkeys.com. There you go. There you go. You almost said typing monkey there. I saw. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so anyway, so the first one is from John in Orland, who's oh. who is a regular. John, cool. thank you for dropping us another note. This is a two-parter for us. And he goes, Paul Williams, who we is one of our invited guests. We didn't yeah. go through the whole list this yeah. time. But Paul Williams is the newest edition. Oh, you know what? I didn't add him to the website yet. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's why we haven't heard from him. <laughs> So I will, I will add Paul. Uh, Paul, my apologies. Uh, Paul Williams was on the Nerdist podcast twice, and both were fantastic. Okay. In one of them, he talks about meeting Guillermo del Toro when del Toro was 14 years old. Which wow. is funny, because he's the director of Hellboy and Hellboy 2 and yeah. Pan's Labyrinth and a whole bunch of uh, other movies. And I, I saw him once in New York. Again, you know, you walk oh, down the street, yeah. you see somebody, you know, much like Sean Wallace. Right. And uh, and you 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 walk down the street and you see him. And so it was neat because he was walking, you know, he walks with his cane and he was talking with someone. Mm -hmm. And I turned and I looked at him because he has a very distinctive look, you know. And so I looked at him and I smiled. I'm like, oh, my God, that's Guillermo del Toro. And I wasn't going to say hi. It wasn't Alvin (laughs) Brown. I wasn't going to go and say hi. And he gives me this look. Like, come over here and talk to me, and I will kill you. <laughs> like, that was oh that was goodness. the look he gave. And I'm like, okay, I'm good. I wasn't planning on coming over, but I'm definitely not <laughs> coming over now. All is good. Don't beat me over the head with your stick. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, that will be uh, that that will be interesting. Um, he also, oh, I'm sorry, he also um, he also goes on to say that Daft Punk. Also claim Paul Williams as one of their early influences, which led to their collaboration um, a few years back. Yeah. On the Daft Punk album. Yeah. Right? Well, I know that. Because (laughs) we went there and he talked about it. And the friend of mine who came with us uh, is a huge Daft Punk fan. So he knew about this collaboration. And, uh, and I don't remember if I asked him, if my friend asked him, or if someone else asked. Oh, I know what it was. It was referencing you and your brother. Oh. That my kids are really big fans. And he goes, oh, well, then they will get a kick out of this. <laughs> that I just did a collaboration with Daft Punk, and it's coming out, you know, in two weeks. And he started singing... From the whatever song it was wow. that, that came out. So yes, so I do know Daft Punk, and I and he actually, it was it was very cool. That's cool. Yeah. Uh second part. Second part of this is on being brave for being transgender. Uh John says our son is adopted, uh, and also biracial. In classes we took through our adoption agency, they discussed how people might tell you what a wonderful person you are for adopting a kid. Uh, and when the kid is not the same race as his or her white adopted parents, it's doubly so. And that's what happened. Not a lot, 
but it happened. I'm pretty sure that at one point someone told my wife that she was doing the Lord's work. No, it wasn't the Lord's work. In the end, we're just people who needed to express something parenting, and this was the choices we made. Right. So again, I think we sometimes get caught up in what our own thing is, Yeah. right? That I'm the only person going through a struggle in my life. No <laughs> one else knows, oh my God, it's not as bad as mine. Yeah. Uh, you know, we all do that. We all go, we, we all go through it, yeah. you know, and, and John, I think adoption is, is fantastic. It's, you know, yeah. um, you know, I can't imagine having more than two kids cause then, then you get outnumbered. I mean, I yeah. guess I'm outnumbered now, but I think I oh, scared yeah. you guys enough as kids that you, you know, I just <laughs> stared and said, Hey, sit, it, 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 it kind of worked. Uh, but no, I mean, I think adoption is, is yeah. terrific, is, Absolutely. is terrific. And I'm, you know, I'm very happy for for you, for you and your wife, that 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 was the path that worked for you. But yes, you do, you do what you do. You do what you need to do. You do what is right for your life, and you know, and that's a choice that you make willingly. Yeah. You know, and and this is a choice. What I'm going through is a choice. Is you know, I I guess one could say it's not really a choice. Um, I have chosen to be who I am and stop hiding. Yeah. You know, and again, other people know this about me. Uh, my view is I simply stopped being a coward. Right. I simply stopped being afraid of what other people might think, you know? So anyway, anyway, um, so, uh, he continues. So I certainly understand at least a part of where you're coming from because I've had society, well, individuals in society paint their own narrative on top of my own. And again, certainly, yeah, you get that when you're, when you're trans, uh, you know, people, I have to say most people have listened. Most people sit down and they, they listen and they go, yeah, I don't know. Right. But there is a handful of people who know more about being transgender than I do. Yeah. Even though they're not transgender. Yeah. And that's sometimes a little surprising when they right. when they tell me how I should feel and how things work. And, you know, look, I'm going to ask questions. Yeah. And, and because, you know, when Forrest was here, we talked about feeling not so much like a woman trapped in a man's body, but like a teenage girl. Well, yeah. I feel like I'm making progress here. And I feel like I've sort of hit, well, almost my college years. I mean, <laughs> you, you remember how, you saw how happy I was yeah. at the apartment. Yeah. I mean, I had such joy. I had such joy on so many levels because you're starting school. You're starting art college, and I'm yeah. so excited for you. And I and you have this grin on your face of like, this is something I've wanted to do for years, and I'm doing it. Yeah, you know. And Michael had the same way when 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 he went to Goucher, and I I feel like I have the same look of like I'm I'm going to live my life the way I've always wanted to. I mean, I always had this dream. I mean, I hesitate to use the word fantasy because when you use the word fantasy as a grown up, yeah. people assume it's a sexual fantasy. Right. This, this is yeah. not what I'm talking about. I had, I had a vision. I had a dream uh, that would never become reality. That that I could live somewhere as female. Right. Uh, that I would I would live in New York as as female. Yeah. And I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm doing it. And I found the apartment, and I love the apartment, and I love the neighborhood. And I get to do it with you guys, and you guys don't bat an eye if I'm wearing a skirt or if I'm wearing whatever yeah. I'm kind of wearing. And we go out, and we laugh, and we have fun, and the, your brother makes fun of me because I'm afraid the rats are going to run over my feet. <laughs> and and it's awesome. It is awesome because it's, it is more than I ever hoped for. It is more 
than I ever it's more than I ever dreamed of having. Right. And and I I don't know, this might sound just strange, but just like being a girl in New York City, having my own apartment and living there, not not, you know, going there as a guy and like, oh, right. well, maybe sometimes I can sneak out yeah. or I can do, but like moving into the building and, and yeah, I understand I'm transgender and people were like, oh, okay, you're the transgender person and, or the crazy chick, the crazy yeah. chick in the yeah. apartment, you know, and, but I'll take that. I'll yeah. take it. And I am, I am so excited and I'm so happy that that's actually what I'm going to get to do. And the people who I know in New York, um, are just so amazingly supportive, uh, and uh, you know, yeah. and and we go out, we grab food. I'm just, I'm so excited. Just, <laughs> oh, I found a tiki bar. That's the thing. I found a tiki bar, right? Yeah, that's gonna be the most amazing thing. I, I, I um, I texted a, a friend of mine, and I'm like, oh my god, you have to come over once I move in, because I found a tiki bar. And she's <laughs> like, oh my god, a tiki bar. <laughs> and then I told another friend of mine, I'm like, I found a tiki bar, and she's like, so. I'm like, well, it's a tiki bar. It means we have to go. She's like, I don't understand. Why do we? Because it's a tiki bar. It's gonna have giant, like, plastic head things staring at us. And yeah. Drinks, probably in tiki heads. Yeah. And and uh, umbrellas <laughs> and crap like that. I mean, how cool is that? <laughs> yeah. You know. And yeah. who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll do um, Bloody Marys. Oh, that's true. In a tiki yeah. head. In a tiki head. I know. Is a tiki a head? I'm going to go yeah, with that. I'm yeah, just going to go I, I think Kiki so. is, in fact, a not necessarily a giant head, but but yeah, um, yeah. but it's it's a head. Um, so anyway, uh, John, I apologize, John. I, I, I can interrupt everybody. Yeah. And apparently, I am very good at that. Uh, listening to uh, what you said uh, and happened to you was hard to listen to. So I, I you know, if, I yeah. guess from last podcast, um, I wish I could have been of help, but I totally understand that it wasn't time to share. Glad you're in a good space now. Awesome. So as yes, John, yeah. yes, I'm in a very good space. Awesome. I'm in a very good space. And and um you know, I I think I think stuff happens for a reason and I think timing happens for a reason. And, right. Um I finally accepted myself. I mean I, I accepted myself and that it took me a long time uh to do that. And you guys are grown up, you know. Yeah. Um it, you know, cuz there is a fear that um that you're going to betray your kids. That you're going to let your kids down in in some way when they're younger because they don't know, always understand. I'm sure you guys would have accepted, but I couldn't do that. I couldn't right. do it at the time, and and I don't tend to look backwards too often. I get flashes of memories, and that's what brings some painful things up to light. I don't think I'm suppressing it. It's just right. I love my life today, right? And I have loved my life for the past year. I've loved my life for the past five years. I've loved my past life for the past 20 years, yeah. my entire life. I've just, I enjoy life. Yeah. And I try to enjoy, I try to enjoy life and not get caught up in, in what didn't go right. Yeah. Or who's not supporting me or who's being critical, but who is there behind me? Cause I do feel blessed of the number of people in New York who treat me with respect and they yeah. treat me like who I am yeah <laughs> and and sort of the new who I am yeah and I you know again I how how can you complain right how can you complain so anyway uh letter number two from Mike uh from Gaithersburg oh cool right yeah. 
So, wow, note to self, never use OkCupid, ever. <laughs> and I am proud of you for how you handle that mouth breather and to be your friend. Um, Urban Dictionary defines mouth breather, breather literally someone who lacks enough intelligence that they never learn to breathe through their nose. Yeah. Because I've heard people say mouth breather. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't quite know what that meant. And he continues, in case you can't guess, uh, I've been commenting as I listen at my desk in near real time. He's been doing this on Facebook. Yeah. And that brings up one final comment. Note to self, do not listen to Digit's <laughs> podcast while at work for fear of tearing up in public. <laughs> you bastard. So, yeah, last one was emotional. That was, uh, yeah. that, that was an emotional run. And I, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, it's weird because... Uh, we got less emails this time, and I don't know if it was because I was more emotional. And right. and again, you uh, people don't know what to say, right? Yeah. You know, and so it's been mostly the people who I know have been the people who are like, "Oh my god, I didn't know that." Oh my god. Uh, again, it's life. You go through it. Uh, it makes for great stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And all, but but I I guess I would like to talk a little bit about mouth breather. And freak and and Mike, I, I am not trying to single you out. I I I understand you are defending me and you are taking my side, but I I don't like name calling. Yeah. Um. I mean, I've been guilty of it. I've been guilty of it over the years, and usually in anger, you know. And and I get that, but it is it is not. In my opinion, in my humble opinion, the way we solve issues. Yeah. Uh, name calling is not the way to go. Calling me a freak, uh, calling me whatever words get bandied about. Yeah. Uh, tranny, freak. Uh, you know, again, freak's a word I don't like. Yeah. I don't like tranny yeah. either, but freak is the one that really. Yeah. And it seems to get used a lot. I mean, that's a thing. It seems to get used a lot. I just don't think that um, even in defense of somebody, that solves it. I um, turn the other cheek. <laughs> yeah. Um, use humor. Try to get the person to understand. And if that doesn't work, then hey, you know what? That's that's how you live. That's how you live your life. Yeah. And and I would prefer you ignore me and leave me alone. Right. Certainly, don't beat me over the head with a stick. But um, I just I think I think name calling just we devolve. Right. And I understand. the need, I mean, I wanted to come back with the nuclear option and I tried very hard, very hard, uh, very hard not to. So I, I, what I probably should do is read to you my response. So so as a refresher course. I uh I st I did an OkCupid account. Uh I, I I had my old one, which I'd had for years, yeah. shut that down, created a new one under typing monkat. Uh and um and created a profile as transgender. Yeah. And so someone out of the blue hit me up and says, You might have changed your sex to female, but you sound like a flaming queen in all caps. 
like the gayest girl swaggering down Christopher Street I've ever heard. Women do not write or talk like that. You have a lot of learning to do. And that, you know, that that rattled me. It it rattled me. And I yeah. I admit I I reread my my profile multiple times. And I'm like, no, this is who I am. Yeah. You know, she's she's trying to to yank my chain on it, and I don't agree with her. And yeah. This is what I sound like. What? I'm going to try to sound like something I'm not. So I responded, feeling the love from across the Internet. For the record, I don't claim the mantle of womanhood, just trying to be me and enjoy life. I hope you don't mind if I quote your unsolicited and open-minded missive on my po- podcast, Toodles, which I felt was rather <laughs> queen-like. And, and so anyway, and she said uh, very quickly, quote away, you're just another unpleasant freak. No one will take you seriously, I can assure you. So this is what this is what Mike uh, from Gaithersburg is 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 referencing. And, and again, Mike, I I appreciate the the defense. This is actually what I did write, okay? yeah. and I didn't talk about this last time, but this is actually what I wrote. I said I don't begrudge your personal opinion. I've struggled with accepting myself for most of my life, but I'm puzzled by your need to share those hate-filled thoughts with a complete stranger. Your pathological need. To insult another human being whom you sought out. A wise man once said that all anger is self-anger. Words to ponder. And uh, no response. Yeah. No response on that. So again, I tried. I tried. I tried very hard. Uh, I tried not to devolve into where all internet discussions do, do dissolve. And this is something... That Dante taught me yeah. that I did not know about called uh, called Godwin's law. Do you want to? Do you want to? Yeah. Talk about so it's one of the uh, supposed laws of the internet that any argument, as it continues, the uh, likelihood of someone comparing the other side to Nazis or Hitler slowly increases, and, and it's a thing of. And people get more and more heated in an argument, and eventually one of them says, well, it, it's you're just like the Nazis. And, and it's one of those things that people tend to agree with. And another addendum to the, to the rule is that when this happens, <laughs> it means that the side that called the other one or, or compared them to Hitler or Nazis loses the argument and that the argument is over at that point. Yes, yes. No, and I found this fascinating. So I, of course, researched this. Uh, and yes, it's called Godwin's Law or Godwin's Rule of Nazi Analogies. Uh, and it's an internet adage asserting that, quote, as one as online discussions grow grows longer, the probability of a comparison involving Nazis or Hitler approaches one. That is, if an online discussion goes on long enough, sooner or later, someone who will compare someone or something to Hitler or Nazism. <laughs> uh, and it was promulgated by American attorney and author Mike Godwin uh, in 1990. And it usually refers to discussion, like Usenet uh, uh, used uh, discussions. Uh, but it's now applied to any, any yeah. online discussion, uh, as you said. And it has become an entry uh, in 2012 in the Oxford English <laughs> Dictionary. Oh my goodness. And there are several corollaries to Godwin's law, some considered more canonical than others, usually by being adopted by Godwin himself. Yeah. Uh, and yes, and to your point, uh, the, the thread is finished uh, when a comparison is made. And whoever mentioned 
the Nazis has automatically lost whatever debate was in progress. Yeah. Uh, and Godwin's law uh, applies especially to inappropriate, inordinate, or hyperbolic comparisons of other situations or one's opponent with Nazis, often referred to as playing the Hitler card, <laughs> which I think uh, I think might be favorite. So I, I guess this is probably a good way for us to um, <laughs> segue uh, into into our into our topic uh, du jour. And believe me, this the yeah I I, I do this really well. Um, <laughs> But the, the uh, Caitlyn Jenner uh, and the Espies. Yes. Uh, and there is, and the, the the reason I I I joke about that is because there there has been a lot of of blowback on it. But we um because I guess we were traveling, we didn't we didn't get to watch it live. Yeah. And I got to sort of experience on Facebook the number of people who were impressed uh, with with her speech. Yeah. And it was, you know, about half an hour of video and and speech. So we watched it actually today. Yep, we watched it today. What'd you think? Wow, I I it was amazing to me. I I completely agree with like the speech. I think it was um, wonderfully worded and wonderfully like it's a great message to send. I really approve of it. Now, did you know? about who Caitlyn Jenner was from a from a historical perspective no, from a sports perspective not at did all. you get a better feel today with the with the video yeah yeah i really it did. showed whatever 10 15 minutes of you know i spent a fair amount of time about the olympics and what a national figure bruce jenner was yeah right yeah yeah i was um i was very choked up during the video, the video was extraordinarily well done. Yeah, and again, I, I mean, I just paused between video and speech because I was, I was getting, um, I was getting very emotional, and I don't like uh, losing control of my emotions. Right. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't like that. Uh, and it, and it just, it, it taps into experiences you've had and feelings that, that you were never able to share with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are certain things that she said within the context of the video of how hard things were. And I, you know, look, I'm not going to begrudge anyone saying that stuff is hard. But I guess my joy in being able to be who I am just so supersedes any sort of past right. hardness. Yeah. My life is not hard now, comparatively. I am living who I am. Caitlin is living who she is with such joy yeah. that I don't look back and say, you bastards, how did you, how did society hold me back? I'm like, woohoo, I'm at the party. This is awesome. I'll take it. You know, ooh, look at over there. They have more food. And it's just, it is... um so yeah, I've always had, I've always struggled with that because I'm happy. Enjoy your life. Yeah. Enjoy what you got. <laughs> you know, I mean, I got my health and I got, you know, there's just so many things that I have. Uh, and if you stay positive, stuff tends to remain positive. You know, and then she came out and she gave the speech and, and it really was, it was a terrific speech. 
And specifically, you know, her statement of we are worthy of respect. Yeah. Everyone is worthy of respect. Yeah. And, and it is so true. I think that's really what I have said over and over again. It's yeah. just, you know, treat me with a little bit of respect. Yeah. Don't disrespect me. Even if you can't treat me with respect, then just walk away. Yeah. Don't engage me. Don't send me that okay Cupid thing. Um, I mean, I, 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 I had a terrific time in New York. I had a terrific time in New York, but, and you and Michael were there for this. I had a moment. I had a bad moment. Yeah. Uh, we were walking. We sort of took a shortcut past a hospital to get back to the apartment. And we walked by a group of people who worked at the hospital who were outside joking. Yeah. Uh, sitting on the steps uh, near uh, near one of the entrances. Yeah. And another group of people sitting against the cars that were parked. And I have to admit that I forced the issue because we were walking on the other side of the street. Yeah. And I started to cross the street and I saw them and I paused. I started to make a decision that maybe it's not the wisest move in the world to pass through this this group of people. Right. And I caught myself and I said, no, no, I'm not going to live my life differently. I'm not going to live in fear. Yeah. Right. This is stuttering. Right. Yeah. I am avoiding a word. I'm not going to avoid the word. So I said, screw it. I'm going to see what happens. And as I walked and I had you guys with me. So yeah. I figured, you know, maybe there's a verbal thing, but there should be. And again, I'm not saying that there was going to be problem. It was just there was a there was a loud, rambunctious group going on yeah and like after work sort of thing and so i'm just like okay i'm this is a different this is a situation that has some danger will robinson yeah. involved in it so we walk by and there are guys sitting on the left on the stoop and women sort of against the car so i assume if anything's coming it's going to come from the guys so i look their way yeah i look and I was nice. I mean, I dressed, I, I thought I looked really nice. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm looking more feminine. I mean, I am looking more feminine. Not obviously completely, but I, you know, there is something where, you know, we were driving and I had forgotten my earrings. And so <laughs> I was, uh, I stole a pair from you yeah. in the car and I put them on and I opened up, you know, the, the, the thing, the mirror, yeah. you know, and uh, above where you're driving. I'm sorry. Yeah. This is making utterly no sense. But the thing that blocks the sun, that yeah, sort of visor yeah. thing has a mirror in it. So I flipped it open. And from the angle, from above, I was like, who is this chick? Wow, that's me. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I know, like, I'm looking better. I'm, I'm, you know. And so I look over at, to the guys and I figure, okay, if anything's coming, it's going to come from them. And so I pass by and I'm like, okay, well, I guess nothing's going to happen. And then I hear from behind me, the woman to my right, go, that was a man. And then clearly turn to everybody else and proclaim to them, that was a man. Did you see that? That was a man. Yeah. And so I, I 
continue walking, but I slow down and I turn around and I look at her. And she goes, yes, you, you're a man. And I start laughing and I wave. Kind of a bow. Yes. Yeah. Hello. And I tried to shake it off. I tried to shake it off. Um, I don't know if I succeeded because I was bummed. Right. And I was bummed the next day because I feel like I've made a lot of progress in, in kind of my gender identity. Right. And at felt when someone says three times in a row, you're a man, you're a man. It's, um, it, it, it takes away at your confidence, but it's a, it's a conversation. It led to a conversation that I, we have had, you and I have had a lot yeah. where something happens. Someone looks at me and I have a reaction. And then I ask you, do you think that reaction is warranted? And you're just kind of like, well, you shouldn't let shit bother you. Yeah. You shouldn't let stuff bother you. But you and I looked at you after this happened and you were surprised. I don't want to say stunned, but you were you had a face that I've never seen with me before because I don't think you have seen anyone treat me disrespectfully. It wasn't a slur. It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't violence. It wasn't anything, but it was disrespect, knowingly or unknowingly. What she said was extraordinarily disrespectful and and crushing to my confidence. But yeah. what stuck struck me more was your face. Yeah. Um, so... I have a, a long time ago we we would watch uh, Craig Ferguson and one episode and I've I know I've looked it up and I can't find it and I don't know if I'm right or not but there's an episode I think with Drew Carey and something that he said or at least I think he said like I said a while ago was that a way that he would stay like keep himself from getting mad at things is whenever something happened he would imagine the best case where their intentions were the best one it could be so if there was any way you could rationalize what they had done in a way that wasn't bad or or where you could just think of it in a positive way that that's what you should assume so it's what i've been doing for a long time it's how i stay positive about a lot of things but with that, I, I couldn't. It it was a direct statement. I couldn't rationalize it away. So I was just completely taken off guard. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was disrespectful. It was disrespectful. And, and, and the reason I bring this up is... There has been some controversy around Caitlyn Jenner being awarded the Arthur Ashe, you know, Courage Award. Yeah. And I have talked about this in the past that I am hesitant to talk about heroes. Right. 
I am I am happy to talk about heroic moments and I'm yeah. talk about heroic acts. And I think it is folly to get into a debate as to who is more worthy of a courage award. Yeah. You know, the first major American figure who's been in the national consciousness for 40 years yeah. comes out as transgender. That is, wow. Yeah. Someone who was risking being perceived as a freak and and who's, because again, no backsies on that one. <laughs> yeah, no backsies yeah. on that one. You know, or is Noah Galloway, an athlete who lost an arm and a leg in the war, or Lauren Hill, who achieved her dream of playing college basketball before she died of brain cancer. I mean, how do you how do you say that yeah. someone is more deserving of an award than someone who lost an arm and a leg or someone who, you know, died of brain cancer yeah. before raising what, one and a half million dollars for cancer research and and you know, and 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 fulfilling her dream of of playing college basketball. Yeah, I mean, do they do this for I don't know the the Nobel Prize? Is there like bitching and moaning of I'm more worthy, I'm more courageous? It is folly to have that debate, and yeah. I am not in any way, shape, or form saying that one person is more worthy than anybody else. But there is a moment. That we are having as a society, as an American culture, we're becoming aware of people who are transgender. Uh, and and this is an appropriate forum for that. And I hope it doesn't take away from other amazingly courageous human beings yeah. who should be lauded. Yeah. But I just, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know that Caitlin isn't being courageous by putting herself out there and eloquently speaking of the high suicide rate, whatever yeah. it is, 42 percent, 41 percent of all transgender people yeah. attempt suicide. You know, and as she said, we're just asking for respect. And if you want to hurl insults, hurl insults at her, but not at... These kids, thousands, tens of thousands of kids yeah. who are just struggling being teenagers and who do and have been killing themselves yeah. and who have been brutalized in murder. And it's not okay to tell the rest of society that it's okay to mock people because they're different. We should embrace people because they're different. We yeah. should. That's what makes culture wonderful and fascinating is yeah. the people who do dare to be different. And you don't have to like it. You don't have to support them. Just don't show disrespect. Don't laugh at them. Don't mock them. Yeah. And so that message, once, <laughs> once, I don't think is asking too much of society to pause for a moment and say, hey, by the way, there are people who are transgender, and they're groovy too. Yeah. I don't think that should be a problem. Now, having said all of that, I have literally no problems with people who disagree 
and say that other people were more worthy. Yeah. I cannot argue with that position yeah. that you're wrong. <laughs> but if you do take that position, what I do ask is that you treat trans people with respect. Yeah. And not with disrespect. That's probably even more important for me is don't yeah. treat tr the transgender community with disrespect. So let me give you a couple of examples. And this is why I brought up what happened to me. Yeah. Right. Bob Costas was a vocal critic of Caitlyn Jenner winning the Arthur Ashe Award. Quote, it strikes me that awarding the Arthur Ashe Award to Caitlyn Jenner is just a crass exploitation play. It's a tabloid play. In the broad world of sports, I'm pretty sure they could have found someone, and this isn't anything against Caitlyn Jenner, who was more close, who was much closer actively involved in sports, who would have been deserving of what that award represents. Now, this is my favorite line. This is my favorite line. That's not to say it doesn't take some measure of personal courage to do what Caitlyn Jenner has done. There are different ways to say this, okay? Yeah. Bob Costas speaks for a living. Yeah. A lot more than I do. And clearly, look, I understand. I've talked about it. I've talked about the reality television. I've talked about the Kardashians. This is why I talk about how I don't want to put Caitlyn Jenner up as my hero, as the cipher for the transgender movement, to speak for me. Right. Because I don't know. She may end up being the most inspirational leader we've seen. Yeah. Or not. Yeah. And I'm not going to hook my wagon to anybody. I will speak for myself. Anyone who listens to this podcast know I, knows I do that already. <laughs> so I am not willing to let anybody, no matter how eloquent, be the person who speaks for me. Yeah. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to be lauded, whatever, based on my own mouth, <laughs> <laughs> which I know is a scary prospect. So again, I, I'm not going to stand there and say that it might not be a crass exploitation play. But I just think, again, treat Kate. There's a way to just say it nicely. And we do it with so many other people in culture. Let me give you a couple of other examples. Okay. Peter Berg, producer of Friday Night Lights, director of Lone Survivor, criticized the choice with an Instagram post in which he shared without comment a Facebook photo that features a photo, <laughs> Facebook photo featuring a photo, of Army veteran Gregory Gadsden, who played a role in Berg's battleship, movie Battleship, alongside one of Jenner's. It says, one man traded two legs for the freedom of the other to trade two balls for two boobs. That is rampant disrespect. Yeah. You might be right. Do veterans, do military veterans of this country not get enough respect? Absolutely. Are they deserving of respect? Absolutely. Yeah. Everyone who serves honorably, I praise, I praise the work that you've done in war or in here, whatever the situation. Yeah. But this is blatant disrespect, which is unnecessary. 
And again, afterwards, after you're forced to apologize, I have the utmost respect for Caitlyn Jenner, and I am a strong supporter of equality and the rights of trans people everywhere. You don't have the utmost respect for Caitlyn Jenner. I'm sorry. If yeah. you did, you wouldn't have said that. Yeah. You wouldn't have said that with such vitriol. Yeah. And such, and such anger. Yeah. You know? And I agree with the next statement. I, I, I also believe that we don't give enough attention to our courageous returning war veterans, many of whom have sacrificed their bodies and mental health for our country and our principles, principles that include the freedom to live your life you want to live without persecution or abuse. And I... A thousand percent agree with that. Yeah. But I don't believe you have to trash Caitlyn Jenner in the process. Yeah. D.L. Hewley. Yep. Right? Yeah. Comedian. In the last month, we had the media telling us that Caitlyn Jenner was beautiful and Serena Williams looks like a man. That was a little weird to me. The man looks like a woman, but the woman looks like a man? I think that's ridiculous. I think Serena is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen on a tennis court. And Bruce Jenner looks like every PE teacher I've ever had, Hughes said, smiling. Look, I agree with you that Serena Williams has been mistreated. Yeah. Horribly mistreated. That is no reason yeah. to trash Caitlyn Jenner's looks. We should be allowed to disagree with people without taking personal shots at them, especially... At the point that you know is going to do the most psychological damage. Yeah. On Saturday, Hooley posted a Twitter, a photo showing Jenner at the ESPYs and a picture of Robin Williams as his title character in Mrs. Doubtfire. Somebody tell me I'm wrong. As he said about Arthur Ashe, he fought AIDS with dignity and honor, and Caitlyn Jenner put on a dress. I don't think it's the same thing. Yeah. Right? It, yeah. it is unnecessary to take these shots. Because it's not simply at Caitlyn Jenner. It is every single transgender person out there. You yeah. are telling every single teenage transgender youth that you are not worthy. You are worthy that you, it is open season to ridicule you. You know, if anyone who listens to the podcast, no, I, I'm not about getting ticked off. And But this, it, this is frustrating. Yeah. So Dante knows me very well and knows how I handle this. I'm going to beat a dead horse and go on. <laughs> Howard Eskin who is a, uh, a sports personality in Philadelphia, who was there when I lived in Philly. Um, I, I was never a fan. I was never a fan. Um, I always felt he used bombast. Uh, and it, when it was utterly unnecessary. And he tweeted, Bruce Jenner, not Caitlyn Jenner, yeah. Bruce Jenner was selected for award because ESPYs moved to ABC and they needed to quote unquote freak they needed the freak show for ratings. Embarrass the name of Arthur Ashe. Freak. I've yeah. talked about this as a word. Yeah. Eskin then rewrote the tweet to omit the word freak, but also called Jenner Bruce. Insulting that ESPN select quote-unquote Bruce Jenner to win Arthur Ashe Courage Award with all the stories they've done on kids in sports with cancer.
again, this is this. I'm not changing my name. People know that I'm not changing my name. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we have the right to rip other human beings. Yeah. Yeah. You can make the case that other people are more deserving. Okay. Yes. I just don't remember this much outrage, and maybe I just have a short memory. But it's just like, it's a, it's a moment for the transgender community. And if you don't like Caitlyn Jenner, that's fine. But what you are saying by going so overboard is that you are now telling everyone else it's okay to trash anybody who is transgender. Yeah. And all of these people, except for D.L. Hewley, has, has been forced to apologize. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it gets tiring. So so let me end this on 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 a positive note. And this comes from a BuzzFeed article uh, about a U.S. Army soldier na- named Joey uh, Vincente. He decided he had enough of the negativity. Yeah. The 23 year old who serves as a behavioral health specialist in their army wrote on Facebook that Jenner is a hero. And those who don't think so don't get a say on the matter. And this is the Facebook uh, post. Your negative opinions on Caitlyn Jenner and her deservedness of an award that you didn't even know about until a few days ago are irrelevant. (laughs) Your definition of what or who a hero can or cannot be is irrelevant. 40% of the transgender community have attempted suicide. What if I told you that her speech last night saved even one human being from attempting to take her life? I'd call that a victory on any scale. I'd call that, gasp, heroic. You don't like that a female who used to identify as a male got an award at a ceremony run by ESPN? Here's a hint. Get over yourself. You're on the wrong side of history. Like many bigots of the civil rights era, you will one day have to answer for your hate whether it's to your God, a loved one, or your few hundred Facebook friends that think uh, that you think give the slightest bit of a shit about what kind of sandwich you ate or what kind of workout you got in today. You want to voice your opinion? Please, I beg that, that you do. But in using terms like freak or faggot, you paint a much more vivid picture of yourself than you ever could of Caitlyn Jenner, a human being just now finally finding her comfort zone. Vincente said he posted to Facebook because he wanted people to realize they need to be more respectful on social media. Bigotry in any form is unacceptable, and I guess I was just fed up with seeing people's offensive remarks about a person they know nothing about, he told BuzzFeed News. Well, the Vincente only shared his post with his friends began to make waves in his social circle due to his fresh take. Vincente agreed to share his thoughts with BuzzFeed News, saying... I posted what I posted because it's what I feel. He added, I joined the service and picked my job because I love helping people. I love positivity. And I love my country. So, yes, I, you know, after all of that sort of conversation, it is so refreshing to see someone try to take the positive end of this. So, you know what? Don't show disrespect. Yeah. Don't show disrespect. And whatever you do, don't play the Hitler card <laughs> because your argument will be invalid. So uh, I, I guess we'll just uh, I guess we'll just wrap because, yeah. uh, again, another Hitler reference. <laughs> I think that at that point, yeah, probably 
a corollary means I probably should get to wrap up. Uh, check out our blog at adventuresintransgendering.com. Uh, you can check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash typingmoncat. Yep. You can reach out to us, and please do. Yes. Digitypingmonkeys.com. Please, please, please would love to hear from you. Uh, leave, uh, you know, we haven't bumped up at all on iTunes reviews. Yeah. So if you have never left one, and you're still with us, and you don't hate us, <laughs> Uh, you know, please, please consider leaving a note saying how funny and witty I am, <laughs> and uh, you know, yeah. and uh, you know that Dante's on too. <laughs> uh, so yeah, iTunes download uh, our YouTube channel. YouTube channel that doesn't have a new URL yet <laughs> yeah, because it's yet. slash c slash. Like, what the hell is that? Yeah, that's what I'm outraged about. So uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's all I got this time. Yeah. All right. So uh, I'm gonna. Wrap us up with They Descend from the Moon by Greg Hoffman. What? <laughs>